This podcast is brought to you by The City Church in Mississauga, Ontario. For more information, please visit thecitychurch.ca. We hope you are encouraged by this message from our lead pastor, Brent Coulter. How's everybody doing this morning? Good. Well, we are in week three of a series we had called Rhythms of Grace. And what our expectation is, is that we are going to have a busy fall in life. Does anybody notice that it's ramping up? It's getting a little bit busier as we head into the fall. You know, one of the rules that we have in our house is that when you turn 16, you get a job. And the reason we have this rule in our house is because I had this rule in my house growing up. When you turn 16, you get a job. Now, here's what's interesting about somebody who moves from fatherhood to grandfatherhood, namely my dad that we had this rule growing up, when you turn 16, you're getting a job, just to let you know, in the summertime, the fun is over, you're going to work. Except with my daughters, I enforce this rule, he's like, why do they need to get a job? Why can't you just take care of them? Like, what are you talking about? (laughs) This is how you have trained me, nonetheless. Our youngest turning 16 next month, she's getting a job, there's resumes out there. There's, you know, interviews happening. Doesn't matter if you're shy. You got to go get a job. This is life. Life is happening in front of us. But one of the things I forgot that, you know, life is busy enough already, but she doesn't know how to drive yet. I got to drive her to work, friends. You know what I'm saying? So she's going to be working this job, but it makes my life busier, but I'm not changing the rule for anything. All right, we are (laughs) in week three of Rhythms of Grace and all of the things that we have to do, plus all of the other things that are going to be showing up. We're busy, life is busy, work is busy, school is busy, just normal every day, doing the laundry, doing the dishes, whatever has to be done around the house, taking out the garbage, blah, 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 all of life is busy. And what we want to do is not to think, I got to minimize my to-do list, We have to remove those things that shouldn't be there and get into a rhythm for our lives. The word rhythm just means a strong, regular, repeated pattern of movement or sound. And that's what we want to do. Um, And that's a rhythm of grace. In other words, God is helping us. All of the things that are on our to-do list, based on all of the hats I wear in life, God will assist me to do the things that I need to do. John chapter 1, verse 16, the Amplified says this, For out of his fullness, the superabundance of his grace and truth, we have all received grace upon grace, spiritual blessing upon spiritual blessing, favor upon favor, and gift heaped upon gift. So God gives us grace. God gives us more grace than we need, but what we need to do is we need to tap into it, not just be doing our own thing, not just finding our own rhythm or making our own rhythm, But let's step into the rhythm that God has for us because that's where his help is in the grace that he gives. Now, the word grace, uh, biblically defined, is the specifics that God gives to us, like forgiveness and repentance and healing and blessing, regeneration and salvation. All the specifics that we see in the scripture, promises and otherwise, those things come from the grace of God. And then another definition is all of God's activity toward man is grace. The fact that we have a body that has interconnected systems that all work together so we can walk around and move and talk and think, 
that is a gift. The life that we have comes from the grace of God. Specifically, God, grace is also God's empowering presence. The Holy Spirit is in us and with us. The New Testament, for, New Testament word for Holy Spirit is paraclete. In other words, he is our helper. He is assisting us to do the things that we need to do in our lives. God's empowering presence. And then the last, probably most familiar definition for the word grace is God's unmerited favor toward man. We don't deserve it, but he gives it to us anyway. Based on what Jesus has done, the finished work of the cross, God pours out his favor upon us because of Jesus. Not our own goodness. It is unmerited. But yet God gives us grace upon grace, favor upon favor, his power in our lives. Um, and, and when we look at the life and ministry of Jesus, we see Jesus had this very specific pattern that he would go through, that he would minister to individuals, and then he would spend time with his disciples, that he was training them to be uh, the starters of the church, and then he would preach um, messages to, to masses of people, that he would do all of these things, but then he would spend time, and he would spend time apart. He would go to the mountain, or he would go to the sea, or he would go to the desert, and then he had this rhythm, he had discovered this rhythm, this God-empowered um, rhythm for life to do all of the amazing things that he did, empowered by the Spirit of God, spending time away in God's presence, but then also coming back to the people that, God, that Jesus was called to. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 says this, "'Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart.'" Now, as we have been saying, this word yoke um, in this context was, you know, certain rabbis in this time, and it's very similar to today, certain preachers or uh, pastors that you might know have a very specific way of teaching or an emphasis that they might have. Same way in this time, the rabbis would have a certain interpretation of the scripture, interpreting the Old Testament, and that way of interpretation was called their yoke. And so Jesus is telling us the way he interprets or helps us to understand God, that <clears throat> it says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. So the way that we would understand the scripture, the way that we would understand God would help us to have rest on the inside of us. Now, last week we talked about rest. If you missed last week's message, I encourage you to go back and listen to it on our website, our podcast, and then also through our church app that rest is so important to help us to accomplish all that we have to do this fall. And then he says this, my yoke, in other words, the way he teaches, the scripture teaches about God is easy and my burden is light. So our relationship with God, if it's hard and it's difficult, we're not doing it right. We're not doing it the Jesus way. We're not understanding God the way Jesus understand God, understood God and taught us about God the Father. His, his yoke is easy and his burden is light. The message paraphrase of the same verses says this, are you tired? worn out, burned out on religion. Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me, work with me, and watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. So as I mentioned, Jesus had this rhythm 
in ministry and life, that he would, he would spend time away with God, but then he would come back to the people that God had called him to, spending time with people. And then what I want to talk about today is having a good, healthy rhythm of relationships or having a rhythm of community. That everywhere we go this fall and everything we do will include people in subdescription. And we might think, well, you know, I just want to be with God on the mountaintop on a constant basis. You know, you know, Jesus spent time with God on the mountaintop, but then he also came back <clears throat> to people. He didn't just stay up on the mountain to say, you know, God, I love you, but I don't like the people you created. That Jesus was constantly in the context of community or constantly in the context of relationships. And that's true of us, whether we're on the job, whether we're in school, in our community, here at church. There is a rhythm of relationship that God wants us to get to, and actually he calls us all into relationships. We're not, as individual Christ followers, we're not supposed to be off on our own, just doing our own thing, that God calls us to be part of the church, and the church is people. It's a gathering. It's a local gathering of people, other followers of Jesus that we would be doing life with, that we would be in relationship with, that we would have friends in the context of the community of faith. And one of the things <clears throat> that we're wanting to do and emphasize this fall is this idea of community. There's a reason we changed our lobby. You know, our lobby was a little bit congested, and we've opened it up a little bit and made some more space for community, made some more space for friendship. So we want you to come early, spend some time hanging out with people, spend some time after service um, entering into community, developing friendships, because God wants us to have a healthy rhythm of relationships. Now, when we think uh, about relationships, we could see this emphasis in the New Testament, and we have some verses here in James chapter 5, and this would be a goal for us as a church family, a church community, a community of faith to operate this way. James chapter 5, verse 13, says this, is any among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. So part of the understanding, first of all, just with these first few words, is that people are going to be going through different things in the context of the community of faith. Some people are going to be excited. Some people are going to be having promotions and celebrations. But then there's other people that are going to be going through difficulties, going through struggles. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick. And the Lord will raise him up. And if you have committed sins, he will be forgiven. This is the verse I want to get to this morning. It says, therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. All right, so we're going to take a few seconds to do this verse this morning. Find a stranger on your row and, and confess to them your deepest, darkest sin. Let's go. That's not something we want to do, right? That's not something we don't want to walk up to a stranger and have this super awkward conversation about some stuff that you've done wrong in your life. But the admonition from the scripture is actually there that we would be in a community in such that we could actually go to somebody and say, you know what, I missed the mark in this area. Uh, I'm maybe missing the mark in my marriage, or I'm missing the mark here in my job, or how I'm doing relationships or friendships, or something going on in my life. I'm kind of missing the mark, and I kind of need your help. Now, what would have to happen before that would be the case, that before you would feel comfortable 
doing that, you would need to be friends, right? You would need to have some sort of community feeling, some sort of friendship thing going on before you would be able to do that or feel comfortable doing that. And that's what we want to do here at the City Church. We want to create an environment. We want to create multiple environments for you to grow in relationships. Now, this context is not the best um, uh, con- uh, environment for us to grow relationships because you're sitting in a row orderly and you look beautiful this morning, you look awesome, but you're not necessarily growing in friendship with the person beside you. And so what we want to do, like I said, we want to create environments. We want to have our lobby and we have some city groups, which I'm going to talk about here in a second. We're creating these other environments where we can grow in friends, grow in friendship so that we can actually do this verse. We can do this idea where we would have somebody in the church that I would know well enough, that I would have spent enough time with, that I could go to them and I would know that they wouldn't, you know, cut me off or they wouldn't, you know, tell all of their friends the mistakes that I made, that I could actually go to them with some honesty and with some humility and say, you know what, I, I, I need some help in this area. Would you pray for me? That you would be able to tell that person some difficulty that you might be facing. So we want to create that environment here at the City Church. We don't want to have gotcha religion. We don't want to have tattletale religion. You know, kind of existed in the time of Jesus. Do you remember <clears throat> the Pharisees, they brought... The, the woman who was caught in adultery, they brought her to Jesus. And like, this woman was caught in adultery and she's done wrong. And Moses said that we could condemn her. And, you know, church can be like that sometimes. If you've grown up in church, you know, somebody does something wrong. And, and as, as opposed to praying for them and helping them, we want to tell our friends. You know, well, this is what they did wrong. And here's this mistake that they made. No, but that we want to create this environment here at the church where we can confess something to each other. But once again, stepping back that we would have the feeling of community so much so that we would be comfortable in doing this. So we need to create those environments where we can be open with each other and having good community uh, together. So I have three C's of community that I want to talk about today. So if you're taking notes, you can write these things down. Three C's of community. Now, the first one is in common. Now, the second word is C. So common comma, in, if you want to go with that, so that C could be first. But we're going to talk about having something in common. What do we have in common as a church family? Who are we here to lift up? Come on, everybody. It's a test in church this morning. Who, whose name are we lifting up at the city church? Jesus. So who we all have in common here at the city church, what's, what's common in our community is Jesus. And so all of us have that we have him in common. We don't all have the same background. We don't all have the same skin color. We don't all look like each other. Next month during the election, heaven forbid, we might not all vote for the same person. (laughs) Could you believe it? But yet, we could still have community under the name of Jesus that this is the highest thing to have community around, not politics, dear God. Here's what's wrong with politics, friends, thinking that a politician is going to be our savior. All politicians are like you and me, and how is that? Imperfect. They're not going to solve all of our problems. Now, don't worry. I'm still going to vote. Don't worry. That's not what I'm saying. 
But my point is the highest, see, society, the world, culture is wanting us to separate. Do you understand this? Wanting us to separate among a thousand lines. We're different from here. We're different like this. We're different we're like this. We think like this. So we're going to be separate. We're going to separate this way. We're going to separate this way. The gospel says we come together in Jesus. The gospel is actually the solution for our community problems. It's the solution for our country problems. Coming together under the name of God. Under the name of Jesus. And this is what we have in common in community. As we follow after Jesus together, you and I have something in common. You know, for those of us in the room that are husbands, we're following Jesus so we can have community together. We can have discussions together about how to become a better husband. We're moving towards Jesus. We have this thing in common. If we're raising kids, well, we're going to have discussions. We can have community. We have something in common. Jesus, yes. But then we have something else in life in common. And then we can be in community together. This is the thing that we have in common. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 4 says, it was, when you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ which was not made known to the sons of man and other generations as it is now, has been revealed to the holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. This is the mystery, that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Now, you might not think this is a big deal, but this whole mystery, this whole mystery of the church, the whole, this whole mystery of the gospel... It's taking two people. It's taking the Jews and the Gentiles. The Gentiles are everybody who's a non-Jew. And the Gentiles, would, uh, the Jews would have thought of themselves, we are God's chosen people. We are the ones that are the bringer of the Messiah. But now in Christ, there is one humanity. Everybody say humanity. There is only one. And this is what the church does. This is the beauty of the church. If we could just get it right, all of us together, coming together under the name of Jesus, the gospel solves the problems. But then we in the church, we got to do community right. We got to, hey, we're coming together. And how, how are they all getting along at, at that place? When they all look different and act different and talk different and come from different places, well, how are, they, how, how are they able to have community together? Well, they have Jesus in common. And under Jesus, we are all this new humanity that God has created in Christ. And so we have to be intentional about this idea that the gospel has brought us together. But then intentionality in relationships will take us farther. It will take us to this place. Even though that we have differences, we have community together in Christ. And then what would that look like? That I would be able to come to you and you might be able to come to me and say, you know what, I'm struggling in this area. I'm having a difficulty in this area. Would you pray for me? This is what the community of Jesus. So the first C of community is in common. The second thing is communication. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 13 says this. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest, everybody say the greatest. The greatest, the greatest of these is love. <coughs> now how are we going to express love? 
if the greatest thing here in the New Testament, and we know that it is the singular New Testament command, faith, hope, and love, thank God for all those things, but the greatest one is love. How does love happen? Love only happens in the context of community. It only happens in the context of relationship. It only happens with you and I coming together and being friends. It, it only happens with us intentionally, on purpose, making time before church, after church, getting in a city group. That I'm going to, on purpose, do what? Well, th if this greatest thing in the New Testament, in the New Covenant, is love, how am I going to do that greatest thing as a Christ follower? Because we're following after Jesus. How am I going to do this greatest thing? Well, the only way I'm going to do it is in community. The only way I'm going to express the love that God has given to me is in the context of relationships. So we have the first C is in common. And the second thing is communication. In other words, we're going to communicate to each other in a loving manner. Are you out there this morning? That we're going to communicate love to each other. That's going to be with the look in our face. That's going to be with the words that we say. It's going to be on purpose, me uh, entering into community here at the church. Not being a, sac a secret agent Christian. You know, secretly coming to church, try to sit by myself as much as possible. And when the countdown of the end of the service happens with me praying or doing the salvation call, you're like, you're getting ready. You're getting ready to get out. No, but by you staying in, you getting involved intentionally on purpose, you're able to do this greatest thing that's left to us in the new covenant, and it is love. So for us to do this greatest thing, we need people to accomplish it. We need to be in relationship to do this greatest thing that is called love. See, in the new, in the new Testament, New Testament, we see over and over again this one another. There's over 50 one another statements in the New Covenant that we would love one another, we would encourage one another, we would accept one another, we would pray for one another, and on and on it goes. And all of these things can only happen in the context of community, in the context of friendship, where I would know somebody and somebody would know me. I would have some friends and somebody would be friends with me. And this is what God is calling us to in the context of community. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 8 says this, Finally, all of you, be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing because to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. Now, that's an interesting phrase to put in there um, in the context of community. Do not repay evil with evil. In other words, and you might have heard of this, sometimes everything doesn't go good in friendships. Have you heard of this? It's a thing. That sometimes in the context of community, in the context of relationships, somebody doesn't say the right thing. Have you heard of this phenomenon? But maybe you've been a part of it. Maybe you've said the wrong things, or maybe someone has said the wrong things to you. See, and in today's world, it's very easy just to opt out then. I, I'm, I'm going to opt out of community because I got hurt, and I got damaged, and somebody did this, and somebody did that, and I didn't like this thing. 
And it's really just easy to opt out of community, but it's saying do not repay evil for evil or insult for insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing because you were called so that you may inherit in blessing. See, this is a call for us. This is a, a call for us to, to remain in the context of relationships. And that, this is the third C of community. It takes commitment to be in community. It takes a good quality decision, even when it's hard and even when it's messy, even when it's difficult in the context of relationships. You need to have a commitment to this idea that the greatest thing here in the new covenant, it's love so that I need to love one another and, and pray for one another and, and be in the context of friendship. Now, when we think about Jesus' disciples, you know, sometimes we have a very antiseptic view of who Jesus' disciples were and how, you know, they got along all of the time. But there's multiple times that we see in the Gospels where they didn't actually get along, that they, they had difficulty. And, and even a couple of the people that, Joe, that Jesus chose to be part of the Twelve, to be part of his community of friends, it's one of the ways to look at the disciples, were guys who had completely diametrically opposed lives. Matthew, the tax collector, was one of his disciples, and then one of his other disciples was Simon the Zealot. He was really zealous. And so Matthew, the tax collector, he was working with the Roman occupiers to exact taxation out of his people. He was working with the Roman Empire to go to the Jewish people and get taxes out of them for Rome. And then Simon the Zealot was the opposite. Had a zeal for the Jewish nation and was wanting uh, Rome to be extracted out of the country. And so Jesus said to these two guys that were doing completely different things, hey guys, come be part of my community. Do you think that there might have been some disagreements sometimes in staff meeting? wasn't always easy. It's a little bit messy. Why is community messy? Because there's humans in it. Sure, anytime you get people together, it's going to be a little bit messy. It's going to be a little bit difficult. It's going to be a little bit hard. Why? Because the only people we have to choose from are the imperfect ones. The only people that we have to, to be friends with are the imperfect ones. And see, a community of faith, partly what we're saying when we proclaim the name of Jesus, when we name the name of Jesus as Savior, we are saying we aren't perfect. This is part of what we're saying as we sit in this room today. We need a Savior. Why? Because we're a mess on our own. Let's be friends. <laughs> that's why it's hard, and that's why it's messy. But the call is still the same. The call is still the same. And listen, I get it. I've grown up in church. I've got a million negative church stories. If you haven't been heard at church yet, you haven't been here long enough, okay? If you haven't been heard, heard is coming, but that doesn't mean we get to opt out of community. Actually, Jesus calls us to dive into community. Why? Because we need each other. We're following Jesus. We're living in this world. We, we want somebody to do life with, not just on our own. So Jesus had this messy community surrounding him. See, and there's an ideal of community, and then there's the real. 
We know the ideal. We know we're supposed to encourage one another. We know we're supposed to speak loving words. We know we're supposed to do all of these certain things. And we know other people are supposed to do these things. It's not always going to happen perfectly all of the time. You aren't going to say everything right all of the time. And since we're speaking on grace, what do we need then for the times that our friends at church don't say the right things? And what do you need when you don't say the right things all of the time? You need grace. And then you need to give grace. It's the only way you could stay in community. It's the only way that you can stay in friendship, that we would be gracious with each other. We'd understand that the person that I'm friends with, they aren't perfect. So I need grace. And then I'm going to give grace. The same reason we see the same thing that we see in Jesus' community. So we don't have the option today, friends. We can't love the Father and hate his children. Come on now. We can't just love God and worship God. But then he goes, I just don't, I don't have time. I don't have time for a community. I, I, I don't have patience for a community. See, but we need to make time. We need to be intentional about doing this thing that God wants us to do. I'm going to interrupt my uh, normal slides back there, guys. If you guys could find the announcement slide that shows all of our city groups on there. And I just, I'm going to talk to you about city groups here in a second because on purpose, there, this is the place for us here at the City Church where we can make this happen. And I just, this was a testimony that we got from one of our city groups that happened this summer. It's actually on our Instagram. If you don't follow our Instagram, City Church, GTA, follow us, okay? Um, so this testimony is from one of our groups that happened this summer. I just want to read it to you and just show um, how important groups are, and then I know that you can identify with what she is saying. She said this, No one really talks about how hard it can be to make new friends as an adult. Right away, she's got us all, right? Because, you know, in high school, we were like, we had all of our friends at high school, and then we either left high school and got a job or went to school, and then all of the friends that we had, they were all gone, right? You know, we thought that they were going to be friends forever. Most likely, they're not. And then it was like, okay, okay how am I going to make new friends? Because I had my family, and I didn't really choose that. <laughs> and then the people that I work with, I didn't really choose that. Uh, but I actually should be a part of an intentional community on purpose that I'm picking some friends to make. And there's no better place to pick friends than someone else who's following after Jesus. This is what we have in common. In common is a necessary ingredient for community. It's hard to make new friends as an adult. She says, I joined FEM, which was the name of one of the groups, Unsure of what to expect, but hoping that I would be able to make a strong new make strong new friendships. I thought that maybe I would be one of the few people really intent on developing real connections with people, but everyone was on the same page. All of the girls were so vulnerable and open with their struggles, but also supportive. It became clear that everyone was looking for friends that could encourage and challenge them in their relationship with God. Something often extremely hard to find. <clears throat> Listen to what she says. I was hesitant to join FEM because it was a definite step out of my comfort zone. 
Listen, but I'm so glad I did. Truly one of the highlights of my summer. If you're on the fence about joining a city group, just do it. <clears throat> I can't begin to explain how thankful I am that I met such lovely, encouraging people who made me realize that I'm not the only one who struggles. Uh, a lot of us are going through the same things, and it's much easier to face life together. Everybody say together. <clears throat> together. Man, we are going through the same things. You know, somebody said friendship starts when somebody says, me too. I'm going through this. Yeah, me too. But you, the only way you're going to get there is you got to, on purpose, make some friendships, be intentional, make some time. Now, I know you're busy, and I know you don't need any more things to do this fall. But, and you know, but if I commit to a group, I might miss out, you know, FOMO. FOMO is real, friends. I fear I'm missing out. If I commit to a group, I won't be able to spend that two hours on Instagram. Maybe it's better to be part of a group. So on purpose this fall, here is some groups. We have 19 groups available, the most groups we've ever had available at one time before. It's super exciting. Now, this session of groups is only going to happen for about 13 weeks, so you're not signing up for life. Okay. And you're not signing up. These people don't have to come to your house for Thanksgiving, so just relax. Okay. But we have a bunch of different groups, and, and some of them are going to be happening just once a month, so some of them are going to happen only three times during the next 13 weeks. Some of them are going to happen every week. Some of them are going to happen biweekly. So for all of the extroverts, you can do something every week if you want. For all of you introverts, you know, once a month might be just enough, and you can handle the once a month. So here's some groups that we have. Uh, Propel Women. This is a curriculum, obviously, for women. Guys, you can't go to this group. Second one, parents and young children. So this is a kid-friendly group. Not all of our groups are kid-friendly. You can go to our website, check out our app. You can um, go to the Connect Lounge after service, and they will help you to know which groups are kid-friendly if you want to be part of a kid-friendly group. Just because why? Parents and young children. So these parents who have kids here at the church, they're following Jesus. What do we need? We need friends. We'd be like, how many diapers did you change this week? I'm like, I don't know. You know, you're going through life together. Moms and tots. I know that group um, meets once a month. Amazing group. It's one of the groups we've had going for a while. Men's Bible discussion friends. The doctor is teaching this group. Dr. Coulter. <clears throat> now, what I, I had a lady after first service say to me, I'm going to grow a beard so I can go to this group. I'm not going to get into that thought um, at this moment, but this is just for the guys. Now, this group just happens three times. This is, just a, this is a monthly group, and the doctor is going to be talking about one verse for three months, as only he can. So that's going to be an amazing group uh, for guys to hang out with him. Knit and crochet. This is my mom's group. This is our little sweatshop that we have together. You know, women gathering together, and, you know, if you want to learn how to knit and crochet, ladies, this is a great group for the, they will te give you free lessons, and I hear there's a lot of laughter and a lot of prayer that happens at this group, so it's an awesome group for you, not me. Food and lifestyle. <clears throat> 
This is a, a monthly group. They just get together a bunch of foodies, and we're like, we're going to eat at this amazing restaurant, and we're going to, you know, yes, Barbara's group. So... <laughs> If you are a foodie, you can be a part of that group. City Pups, if you have a dog, this group just gets together a couple times. They're going to go to different dog parks, hang out together. See, these groups are all about creating friendships, people. And we're going to create friendships different ways. And certain ways are going to work better for different people. So that's why we have different groups for different people to do different things. We don't have a cat group, and we <laughs> probably never will. All right. Devil animals. Here we go. Serve. <laughs> we can still be friends. We stop Jesus in common. <laughs> cat people, Jesus is our thing, not cats. Serve City. This is all about just doing stuff in our community. If you are made this way, you think, I just want to get out there and serve, this, serve the community, that group is for you. They go out and do things, just make it. This is a DIY craft group, another group that you will never find me at, but this is going to be an amazing group. Mature men, guys in their 40s and 50s having great Bible discussion, Moms Connect group. I know that group is actually going through a book about parenting. ORCID, another women's group that's going through a curriculum. City youth parents, parents of teenagers are getting together just talking about parenting teenagers. So important. Femme, another girls group going through a curriculum. <laughs> young and in love. This is our young marrieds and dating uh, group hanging out together. This is not a kid family group. <laughs> Welcome to the good life. This is an exercise group. We the North, this is Tyler's group, just getting together, watching the world champions play basketball, hanging out together, breakfast club, this is another, this is another book group, and then sisterhood, self-explanatory. And I would say, see, there's something up there for everybody, but if you're here this morning and you're one of the stubborn types and you think, there is nothing up there for me, here's something for you. You get to lead a group in the new year that will be just what you want. So you can go see Julianne and the team there in the Connect Lounge. You can say, we need a group for soccer, fishing. You go tell them. You can lead a group. Soccer's not going to work good in January. But <laughs> if, if there's a good place for you to create friends, we can create a group for you. So you can go see them. But there is something up there for everybody. So you can check, you can go um, and see them at the Connect Lounge, or you can go to the website, it gives you a greater description, time, all of those things through our church app. All right, we're almost done. First John chapter 1, verse 5 says this, this is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, in other words, if we walk in our relationship with God, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. See, one of the outgrowths of walking with God is community. One of the things of being with God, time with God in the mountaintop or in our prayer or in our soap time one of the outgrowths of that is I'm going to make some friends here at church. I'm going to make some friends with somebody else who's following Jesus. We have fellowship one with the other. Here's what else that can happen in groups. Proverbs chapter 17, verse 17 says this. A friend loves at all times. 
and a brother is born for adversity. A friend loves at all times. This is why we want to create environments for friendships to happen here at the City Church. Why? Because sometimes you're going to go through adversity and you're going to need a friend. And sometimes that friend that you have, they're going to go through adversity and they're going to need you. But if we never, on purpose, made friends in the community of faith, that we were just secret agent, we were lone wolf, we missed out on what the scripture is telling us here, something else that can happen in community. Proverbs 27, verse 17, iron sharpens iron, and one man sharpens another. You know that this is true about good quality friendships. You get to think different things. You get to hear different things people are doing as they follow Jesus. And it sharpens you. And this only happens in community. This only happens in friendship. We can get sharper. Man, I, I have a, a group text that I have with a bunch of pastors. And just once in a while, somebody will post something on there. And we'll have a discussion about it. And I'm just, just better, automatically better because of my friends. Man, and this is true for all of us. We get better because of our friends. Last verses. There's a very famous friendship in the Old Testament, David and Jonathan. And the scripture tells us that their hearts were knit together. And it was interesting because Jonathan, his father, was Saul, who was the first king of Israel. And anybody who's king, obviously we know how a monarchy works, that that. Um, firstborn son will become king in the future. And so Jonathan was Saul's son who was going to take the throne one day. But we know the story that, you know, the prophet anointed David to be king so that Saul's son wasn't actually going to become king, that David was going to become king. But God created a friendship, created a bond between the, these two guys and at the end of Saul's life, he kind of went a little bit crazy and he was trying to always kill David and harm David. But Jonathan, who was Saul's son, was so close to David that he was protecting David. Even though David was going to take his place as king of Israel. Listen to what the scripture says for Samuel chapter 23, verse 15. And while David was at Horesh, in the desert of Ziph, he learned that Saul had come to take his life. And Saul's son, Jonathan, went to David at Horesh and helped him find strength in God. And this is what friendship at church is all about. Helping each other find strength in God. That those of us that follow Jesus, what are we doing? We're pointing people to God. The friends that we have, we know that somebody's hope is in God. Somebody's faith should be in God. We know that God's grace is given to us. And so in the context of friendship, we're helping our friends find strength in God. But we have to be intentional about it. We have to be intentional about putting in the time so that I know somebody's actually my friend. And then he says this. Don't be afraid, Jonathan said to David. My father Saul will not 
lay a hand on you. You will be king over Israel, and I will be second to you. See, the scripture tells us in honor preferring one another, and this is what it sounds like. I will be second to you. I will help you with the things that you need to do. And this is what friendship is all about. And there's a reciprocity in there. There's, uh, we'll do this for each other. I'm going to help you when you need it. And you're going to help me when I need it. And you're going to encourage me. And you're going to challenge me. And you're going to always point me to God. And that, that his strength is the strength that I need. That his wisdom is the, the wisdom that I need. This happens in the context of friendship. The heart of friendship says, I will be second to you. Aren't you thankful for God's word this morning? Amen. Thank you for your support. If you want to connect with us, you can find us online at thecitychurch.ca.